Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living. Well, good morning, church. How are we doing this morning? Well, for those of you who do not know who I am, my name is Pastor Katie. I am the director of our fifth and sixth grade program, Club 56, as well as our middle school program, MSM, for our seventh and eighth graders. And joining me on the stage this morning is Todd, our high school youth pastor. And so it is a joy and a privilege to be able to be in front of you this morning. We're in a series called It's Complicated. And one of the things that we talk about with students and with parents a lot are these feelings of unqualification. You don't feel qualified. I'm not good enough. I'm not old enough. I, I don't know what I'm doing. And so today we want to walk you through a couple of areas when you feel unqualified, where can you go to continue to grow your relationship with Christ and continue to be obedient to what God has called you to do. So um, I have had the pleasure of, of working with this graduating group of high school seniors since the beginning of Club 56. So these were my first group of students here um, that I had the opportunity of serving. And so uh, we met on Sunday mornings up on the third floor. We had this really cool space that was just for us. And I just had a blast working with them. And so these students, they hold a very special place in my heart. And Todd, this is your first group of seniors, so I'm sure they hold a special place in your heart as well. Well, when I was starting Club 56 as a young 23-year-old, um, I didn't know what I was doing, let's be real. And so uh, I did not feel qualified at moments to be able to do what God had called me to do in that moment. And I remember this one time, something had happened up on the third floor and, and I'm scanning the room looking for the adult to come help the student who was in need, eventually realizing that I was in fact that adult who needed to step in and help. So there were many times when I felt like, man, God, what have you called me to do? Because I'm not sure I can do it. But 1 Corinthians 1, 27 through 29 says, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the, chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you could probably come up with a huge long list of times when you have felt unqualified to do what God was calling you to do. But God uses the foolish things of this world to shame those who think they are wise. I said it's interesting how they asked me to come in and speak as soon as she talked about the foolish things of the world. So I don't know if that was good timing or what. Good morning, graduates. It's so good to see you guys. They got here early so they could participate with us. And I want to spend time talking to you, but, but everybody, Pastor Katie and I want to talk about unqualified. But before I do that, I am the high school guy, so I have to do this. Hey, Balcony, good morning. I couldn't hear you guys earlier. How you doing, Balcony? You guys are doing that well? Okay, I got some thumbs up. That's great. 
It's so good to be here, and again, we've, uh, we want to talk a little bit about being unqualified. As a parent, uh, I have a daughter who's a junior in college, and I have a son who's a junior in high school. And there are so many times in my life that I have felt unqualified. In fact, there were many times I thought someone was going to show up and revoke my parenting card because I was unqualified. Uh, one story example of my unqualification would be when my children were young and we lived in a house where we had to put a lawn in and we decided to hydro seed. I don't know if you've ever seen hydro seed. One day it's dirt, the next day they come in and they make your lawn blue-green. But then you have to water it. We didn't have an irrigation system, so we chose to do the job of pulling hoses around and turning them on. Well, I had a five-year-old daughter and a three-year-old son. My five-year-old daughter decided to be daddy's helper, and she always wanted to pull the hose around and set it out, and we had fun doing that. She would set it down, I'd turn it on, and I'd say, oh, we got to move it, and I'd turn it off, and she'd reposition it. Well, one day, I'm in the garage working. My mother-in-law is there at the house and I'm listening to some commotion going on out in the yard. I look out of the garage to see my daughter and son. My son's got the hose, and he's pulling it out to the yard. He's looking at his sister, and he looks in the hose, and he says, no water, sissy. She said, keep going, keep going. He kept going. He'd look at the sprinkler. No water, no water. Keep going. Okay, Bubba, put it down. It should be water now. Look in the hose. A three-year-old brother that loves and idolizes his five-year-old sister is going to do exactly that. And so he's standing there looking, and she said, Is there water? No water, sissy. And she turned, and as quickly as I've ever seen anybody, she started cranking on the handle of that spigot, and he's standing there, and the water just lights him up. Oh, he lets out this little scream. My mother-in-law jumps off from the porch. She runs out to rescue this cute little adorable three-year-old innocent boy. And she's got him in her arms. And he's like, <laughs> and she's looking at Brianna now. <sighs> and Brianna's going, she says, Brianna, what would ever cause you to do something like that? Daddy did it to me yesterday. <laughs> So I got to tell you that at that moment, my mother-in-law looked at me and I seriously thought she was going to come take my parent card away because I was not qualified. We want to take a look at a few other people that we might consider unqualified by our standards. Think God can't use you? Think he only uses perfectly qualified people? Take a closer look. Moses was not a great speaker. Jonah ran from God. Jacob was a liar. Noah got drunk. Rahab was a prostitute. David had an affair. Jeremiah was depressed a lot. Solomon was rich in wisdom, but poor in lifestyle. John the Baptist was just plain poor. Timothy was too young. Abraham was too old. Lazarus was dead. Sarah was barren. Naomi was a widow. Gideon and Thomas both doubted, and so did Sarah. Peter lacked self-control. 
James and John were self-righteous. Paul had a short fuse. Well, so did Peter and Moses. Actually, lots of people did. God's army isn't perfect. It never has been. It's the march of the unqualified. Get in line. I'd say we're in pretty good company, wouldn't you? See, God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. We've heard that. Apart from the person of Jesus Christ, there's never been anyone else that's ever walked on this planet that has ever been qualified apart from the redeeming plan of God. Today we want to look at four areas that will help us grow in our relationship with God, resulting in our willingness to have him grow and develop us as we share the good news to those around us. The first area is surrender. Romans 10.9, it says, If you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, Paul was talking to the people of his day, and he was saying, you know what? You're trying to find salvation and righteousness with God through the law. It has nothing to do with that. What he's saying is that you've got to let something enter into your mouth and into your heart. He writes that it, instead of going through the law, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Messiah. And then he says, and then believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. If you do these things, you'll be saved. See, that's the gospel message, the message of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. There's a second surrender, though. This is a daily surrender. You see, as a Christian, my surrender is not a one-and-done transformation. Luke 9, 23 and 24 it reminds me of this. Jesus then said to all of them who were there, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and here's the word, daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. See, surrender is not some one big-time gesture that we wipe our hands clean of and we sit back and relax, but rather it's a daily decision that we make to surrender to the will of God until our very last breath. I don't know about you, but when things become out of control, when I feel unprepared, when I don't feel qualified, that's usually when I want to take control. When chaos starts going on all around me, I want to grab it and I want to say, God, I know that this morning I started out right and I said, hey, Lord, I want to do your will today. But right now, everything's a mess and I've got to just grab something in my life and make sure it ends the way I want it to end. You know, it's that exact moment when God says, you need to let go and let me take control. It's in these very moments that we have to give God the reins to our lives and surrender to his perfect, not always preferred, but his perfect will for my life. So as you are an encouragement and an example of daily surrendering yourself to Christ, this naturally leads us into point number two or area number two, which is it's time to dive into God's word. I believe that all 66 books of the Bible are true, infallible, and God-breathed. 
2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 states that all scripture is in fact God-breathed. This means that the words were given by the work of the Holy Spirit, who guided the writers of the Bible, so much so that the words that were actually being recorded were what God himself wanted. And this inspiration is, is for all scripture. It's not just certain books or certain parts of the Bible, it's for all scripture. And so God chose these certain men at a certain time to be led by the Holy Spirit to record the truth that we, the body of Christ, would need. The writers, once inspired by the Holy Spirit, recorded his word without error. Jesus affirmed the truth of Scripture in Matthew 5, 17 and 18. You know, I believe that God's word is alive and active, meaning that it is as relevant for us today as it was to the church as it was being written. You see, the Bible is so much more than, than just a book that we go to to get answers for all of our problems. Just look at how it was created. It's, it's where we get to learn more about who God is and what he's done for us. It talks about his big promises, how he kept them, what that means for us today, and how that can help us understand our world. It gives us examples for how to live. It talks about God's wisdom, his knowledge, his character, and so much more. Being in the word daily is so important. If we just go to the Bible whenever we need it or we think we need it, we don't have strong roots. So that when the storms of life come, and they do come, we don't have that firm, solid foundation. Matthew chapter seven talks about the wise man and the foolish man. When I was a kid, we would all go to church together, and then during the sermon, we would get dismissed to go to junior church. And my Aunt June, she taught junior church. And one of the things that we always did was she would teach us what I like to call scripture songs. So these are scriptures put to a tune so that they help you remember the song or the scripture. And so one she taught us was about this passage. It goes, the wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock and the rains came tumbling down. Now, I'm not going to sing the rest of the song for you, as it is a little repetitive and lengthy. Um, but the passage goes on to say, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rains came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and as the song says, and the house on the sand went splat. Think about it. If we're in God's word daily and we are hiding those words in our hearts as David penned in Psalm 119, when we come to times when we don't feel qualified, we have those truths, those promises that we can go to. And I don't know about you. I don't want my house to go splat. I want my house built on a solid, firm foundation that is deeply rooted. Another area is community. The phrase I like that a lot of people in church use is doing life together. Graduates, you have been doing life together with friends. You've had a support system. You've been doing life together with family. You've been doing life together as a community, with your church. 
And I just want to encourage us all to kind of think about that and process that because Jesus understood how important it was to do life together. In fact, he did life together with his apostles. Jesus had really close relationships to those who were close to him and who followed him. And he had really close with Peter, James, and John. See, Jesus built community and he invested in their lives. There are many things that we can't learn outside of community doing life together. We can't learn certain things from a book or the internet. And so what we have to do is we rely on this opportunity to help each other, to encourage each other, to spur one another on, as Hebrews tells us to do. Well, I was thinking about that in relationship to teaching my kids how to ride a bike. When they needed to learn how to ride a bike, I went up to them and I said, well, I said, I want to give you first your bike manual. There's a manual on the bike. Read up on that. And then here's a pamphlet. This pamphlet is how to ride a bike. And I walked away. I didn't. I first got the bike out. We removed the training wheels. I put my hand on the bar and I put my hand on the seat. And I convinced my daughter to get on the bike. She got on the bike because she trusted me. We had that relationship. We had done enough life together where she knew that Daddy wanted to keep her safe. And so when she got on the bike and she got the handlebars, she started shaking a little bit, and I steadied the bike for her. And I said, okay, are you ready? No. Now, if you are going to teach someone how to ride a bike, I want to encourage you to get a good pair of tennis shoes and possibly an oxygen tank, okay? Because you're going to run. But we would start going, and we would start moving, and every time it felt like she got a little nervous and things started shaking, I would hold her tighter to help steady her direction and her course because I knew the best way for her to go. Well, as she got comfortable, the hardest part of teaching someone to ride a bike came when you let go, and then you watch them fall. And then, as you stand there, you don't say, well, good try. I guess bike riding's not for you. Let's go get a wagon. You say, no, give it another go. Keep going. You got this. I'm behind you. I'm beside you. Wherever you need me, that's where I'm going to be. You see, that's what Jesus did with his disciples. He modeled life for them. He lived his life for them. And he knew that the need for relationship and community doing life together is even more important when it comes to things less to do with the head and more to do with the heart. See, by doing life together in community, he modeled himself. Jesus called 12 men into a relationship which they did life together, and then those 12, 11, went out and changed the course of history. Ephesians 4, 2 through 6 says, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, living through all. As we interact with family, friends, coworkers, people in our community, those that we come into contact with, let's think about how we interact through humility, through gentleness, through patience, through making allowances for each other's faults. Let's think about those. You see, sometimes we have conversations that, that just kind of spur the moment. Hey, where have you been? 
hey, nice to see you finally decided to come back to church. See, in reality, I, I think we need to have caring conversations that build community that really don't cut to the core, but encourage. And instead of saying things like that, we say things like, you know what? I've missed seeing you at church. You know what? Colonial Woods is better when you're here. We have missed you dearly. Community, doing life together, it should always remind us, each one of us, that we belong. Now, this is not an exhaustive list of things that you need to do when you feel unqualified, but we do believe that this is a great place to start. So we've talked about daily surrendering ourselves to Jesus and his will. We've talked about how the importance of being in God's word and having that firm, solid foundation to build upon. And Todd just talked about surrounding ourselves with community, doing life together. Our last area that we want to talk about this morning is when you're feeling unqualified, it's time to go to prayer. Why prayer? Well, we turn to prayer because it's the most personal way for us to experience God, to know him and encounter him. John 15, 4-5 says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So why would Jesus urge his disciples to remain in him? Well, it was the only way for them to, to survive, to productively serve him. They had to rely completely on him for spiritual life and vitality if they were going to do the greater things that he had talked about in John 14, 12, to develop Christ-like characteristics like we see in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, and to introduce other people to Jesus, as we see in John 3, 15. It's easy for us to do things in our own power and our own ability, but we're not called to do life solo. No, we are called to remain in Christ, and one of the ways that we can do that is through prayer. Prayer a lot of times can maybe look like us just talking at God, or maybe that's just me. You know, I talk at God about why I can't do something, why I shouldn't do something, why I'm not qualified to do what he's calling me to do. When in reality, prayer is so much more than that. Prayer is not a one-way conversation. God, he actually wants to talk back to you. We just a lot of times don't stop, pause, be silent, and listen to what he has to, has to say. God, he wants to have a conversation with you. He desires to give more of himself to you. See, there are countless passages all throughout Scripture that talk about the importance of having a thriving prayer life. And one that rings so true to me on uh, pretty much like a regular basis is found in Philippians chapter 4. If you don't know me, I'm a bit of an overthinker. I tend to worry and become anxious. I've been this way for as long as I can remember. I remember as a kid sitting in my room and thinking, trying to think through every like terrible possibility life could throw at me so that I could be prepared for that. And I would just worry about my future so much. But Philippians chapter four, verse six says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So no matter what, with thanks, I'm supposed to talk to God. God wants us to talk to him. He wants you to be in communication with him at all times. 
So often we don't choose to see ourselves through the lens that God sees us. We choose to look through the lens of the world, which tells us that we're not qualified. We can't do what God's calling you to do. Are you crazy? Why on earth would he call you to do that? But when we stop and when we pray, those feelings of unqualification, they can be replaced with confidence in the abilities and giftings that God has given you so that you can remain obedient to what he's calling you to do. Why? Because you're not doing it in your own power and in your own ability. No, you have the creator of the universe in your corner, guiding, directing, and walking you through whatever he gives you. So remain in God through prayer. The purpose of prayer is for us to get into God's presence so that he can share his agenda with us, not for us to share our agenda with him. So we've talked about surrender, God's word, community, and prayer. There are still so many moments in life, so many days, that I don't feel qualified. But at least as I'm going through these steps, I begin to understand that the power in Jesus Christ, who is always with me, is so much greater than the task that's ahead of me. That he calls me, and then he qualifies me. I like the following quote as we're called to share the gospel of Jesus Christ in our community of believers. It says, whatever you do, do it well. Do it so well that when people see you do it, they want to come back and see you do it again. And they will want to bring others with them to show them how well you do what you do. You may have heard of this person's company. You may have even visited one of their locations while on vacation. Walt Disney, he accomplished this vision, and his Disney World theme parks became one of the top vacation destinations in the world. His purpose was to do things so well that people can't wait to come back and bring others with them. Graduates parents, grandparents, brothers, sisters, anyone that can hear this morning, anyone that can read the words this morning. As we move forward, may we do things so well, not because we feel qualified, but because we have the power of the Holy Spirit that we're fully reliant on, may we do things so well that others want to continue coming back and bringing others with them because we love like no other people they've ever met. Because we love like no other church they've ever walked in before. And because our community is a community that does life together and supports each other. May we do those things so well. Let us join in the march of the unqualified and take Jesus to our world. Would you thank Todd and Katie this morning? They have done such a great job this last year navigating and uh, continuing to do just an incredible job. If you've not met them yet, I hope you get an opportunity to do so. Let's pray together. Father, as I was thinking about that phrase that I feel unqualified, 
you know, that application can be in so many different areas. There are some young people right now that have graduated and they, they don't feel quite qualified for the next step or they're wondering what that next step is. Some parents that are navigating some decisions or maybe relationships where we're saying, Lord, I don't know. I don't know if I've got the strength for this next season. Decisions that have to be made medical tests that are ahead. It's amazing, Lord, how we, we come up as believers, we face over and over again those areas that we feel uh, as though we uh, don't have the strength. And if you're here this morning and you feel like you don't have the strength for something, I've got a word from God for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. And Lord, in our weaknesses, we reach out to you and ask, and you promise that you'll pour in all the resources of heaven at, paid for by Christ's expense on the cross. And so Lord, we ask that your grace would meet us in a powerful way and that we'd walk in faith. And each step we take, we would step relying upon you for your glory, for your honor. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living.